remember in Hebrews, we're talking about a, it's a book written to Christians in the midst of crisis that are, that, that are Hebrews that are tempted to go back to the Jewish faith. Remember, the temple is still an operation at this time. And in Rome, there is a horrible persecution against Christians by Nero. It's horrible. And so the author goes through and he gives the people, these Christians, reasons, saying Jesus is not just an answer to your problems. He's so much more than that. You can follow him. And understand that first he talks about Jesus being God's last final word. He is God himself speaking what God wants to us. Not through a prophet, but God himself. Then he talks about how Jesus is more important, bigger than the angels. And even if, that, that even if there was an angel that came down, Jesus trumps him because Jesus is superior even in the heavenly realms. Now he switches to the second movement of this and he talks about how Jesus then is better than anything on this earth. And he begins with, Jesus is bigger than even Moses. And to get the full impact of that, you understand that for the Jewish mind, Moses was the the chief person. They identified as children of Abraham. Yes, he gave them identity, but Moses, Moses gave them the law. Every day of a Hebrew's life was marked by the teachings recorded through Moses. Moses was seen as as this amazing prophet who saw God face to face. When the rest of Israel was was unable to even listen to God out of fear, Moses was able to meet with him in a tent on a regular basis. How could you how could you trump that? Of all of the prophets, if you would ask a, 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 a Jewish person, of all the prophets, who was the greatest? The answer would be simple and clear: it was Moses. He's he met with God. But not only did he meet with God, but of all the prophets, Moses is the one that gave us the law. Moses was the one on Mount Sinai who was up there as God's own finger etched the Ten Commandments. And it was Moses' own hands that had to redo them after he broke them because he got mad. Moses brought the law to the people. And it wasn't just the Ten Commandments. It was the law, the Pentateuch, the Torah. He gave them the first five books of their identity. Uh, Moses was the one whom God trusted to take a a people and didn't just give them a, a family. They were the children of Abraham. No, he gave them identity. They were a people of the law. And also, Moses was was loved and revered because he was the deliverer. Of any event in Jewish history, I think the biggest, most defining one is the Exodus. Even today, it is celebrated. It defines them as a people because of what God did. And what individual, who was it that led the walk out of Egypt? It was Moses. Moses was the one who stood up to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Moses is the one whom through God allowed the curses, the plagues to happen. Moses is the one who freed the people, set them into Sinai, who led them to the promised land. Moses was the deliverer. And for the Hebrew mind, they say, I can imagine these Christians in, in Rome, under the midst of persecution and pain and trouble, saying, well, we can always go back to the law. We can always go back to Moses. And the writer of Hebrews 
has some important truths about this that can help us. First thing is he points out is that Jesus has a better position than Moses. He talks about Moses as a faithful servant. In verse 5 he says, Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work as a, was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. He's not saying Moses was bad. In fact, Moses really is great. He should be revered. He did awesome stuff. And we're grateful for all the things that he had done. But let us not forget his position. Moses still was a servant of God, which is why he was great. But about Jesus, he says this. He is the master. He says, but Christ, as the son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. And see this. Moses is fantastic, but he is a servant. But Jesus, let us not forget whom he is. Jesus is God. He is the master. Why would we go back to the teaching of a servant? Wouldn't that servant just point us to the master anyhow? And that's what he does. But Jesus is in charge of God's entire house. Not just the people of Israel, but God's entire house which is powerful. But I notice this, this wonderful warning, and we are God's house. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ, he's warning them, don't go back. You can stay in God's house. You are saved by God's grace through faith. So cling to that faith. Cling to Jesus. He also points out that Jesus not only is a better position than Moses, but he's got a better promise than Moses. A much better promise than Moses. He says, now, if Joshua, now remember Joshua in biblical history, you don't know this, Joshua was Moses' uh, student, right? He, uh, Moses mentored Joshua. And then when Moses was, it was his time to pass on, Joshua was the one who actually led the people into the promised land and set up. So Joshua is a stand-in for what completion of Moses' ministry. And he says, now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken of another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. And they say, what on earth is he talking about? The thing, God promised the promised land, right? And Joshua led the people where? Into the promised land, right? That's what they got, their inheritance. God fulfilled what he said he was going to do. And God said that this promised land would be a place of rest for his people. But it wasn't the end. That wasn't the best that God had. It was a foretaste, an illustration of what God was going to do. And he proves this by, remember, the, the author of this was a brilliant biblical scholar. He knew what the word of God said, and, and I think because I personally think this may have been Paul. And remember, Paul met with Jesus for three years and was tutored by him as he talked about this is how the Old Testament works. So he had a little extra help. And he says, listen here, there is a rest. Yeah, the people of Israel entered the promised land, but if the promised land was it, well, then that's kind of a small thing. <laughs> but God promised that that wasn't the end that there is a bigger rest awaiting, that Jesus would come and he would do something much, much better. And so he points to this, that there's a promise that Christ gives us. Not a promise of a place on this earth, but a promise of a place in eternity. 
not a promise of a spot of land, but a promise of a new earth. This is not a promise of a place that has boundaries or borders that are always at war, but a place, a promise of a place of complete peace. Jesus leads us to a better promise. What Moses did was show us that God could do it. What Jesus did was complete it. And so, he gets down to the, to the point, the so what. Jesus, we recognize that Moses has, is, as great as Moses is and as great as the law is, it served its purpose. And for these Hebrew believers to say, I'm going to, I have this choice. I can go back to Moses. I can go back to the law. I can go back to temple worship. I can go back to all those things and have some peace in my life today. And the writer of Hebrews reminds us, yes, but whom are you choosing? If we go back to Moses, let's recognize that he's the servant. But stick with Jesus. He's the master. You can go back to Moses, but the best rest he can give you is a, is a very temporary rest. One that even the scripture says there's going to be, uh, there's going to be something better. Or you can stick with Jesus, who has a much better promise. And so his, this is not a surprise. He encourages them, stay faithful to Jesus. Stay faithful. It's hard. And I cannot express or comp- how hard it was. It was hard for the Hebrews, the Christians in Rome at this time. Worse than we can even understand. But this is what he says in verses uh, 4, 1 through 3. He says, rejecting God's offer through Moses ex- would exclude them from the promise. Uh, it says, uh, so let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. In fact, I think I might even have that on there. That's not just an idle warning. We have to stay faithful to Jesus when life is difficult. When God doesn't make sense, we have a choice. We can either walk away from God and say, based upon my circumstance right now, you don't make sense and it doesn't seem like you're keeping your promises, so I'm going to go somewhere else. And we can harden our heart to God. Or in the midst of the chaos and the craziness and the pain and the uncertainty, we can run to Jesus. And he says, let us do our best then because he is the master. He's God and he does have a better promise. Let us do our best to enter that rest. But he reminds them that people who rejected Moses, they didn't get to enter the rest. (laughs) If you rejected even the servant, what happened? What happened to the, four, the, to the whole generation that God led out of Egypt? He, they did a stopover at the mountain and got the law. Okay? And then they walked. It's not a very far way. I mean, you can do it in a couple of days. They, just, they walked to the promised land. There's the river there. They sent 12 spies into the promised land. The people came back and said, it's everything God said except for those huge people there were afraid. Let's not go. Ten of the 12 said, we're not going to do it. And what did the people do? They said, well, it's going to be too hard. We're not going to go. And they didn't enter the rest. And the book of Hebrews talks about this. In fact, God even says, they will never enter my rest. And that entire generation died in the desert. And his point is this. If we reject, if the people of Israel failed to enter the rest because they rejected Moses, how much more for us if we reject Christ? He says, so let us do our best to enter that rest. Let's not let anything take us off track. You know, it says in verse 4, he says, So God's rest is there for people to enter. 
But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest. And when is that rest? That time is today. There is an immediacy to our faith. It's not as though that you and I have to wait for 200 or 400 years of oppression in order to finally have the deliverer. He already came. But our choice is when we hear the words of Christ and the call of Christ and the hope of Christ and the good news of what Jesus has done, will we answer? Will we follow the good example of those who walked with Joshua boldly into the promised land? Or will we be like those who stood at the precipice, at their toes touching the water itself, seeing the promised land and saying, no, it's too scary. Let us not fail to enter that rest. The time is now. The time for faithfulness is today. And so he gives us this. He says, so be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it's still, when? Today! So that none of you will be deceived by sin or hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believe, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. What an incredible promise. But it really puts, it puts the importance of that message on us now. These were Christians, by the way, remember? These are Hebrew Christians who have already suffered greatly for their faith. These are believers who have already endured mockery and, and persecution for the cause of Christ. These were no lightweights. And even to them, he says, today it's the important day. Today will you follow Jesus. Wherever he leads, are you going to follow him? Whatever comes in this life, will you cling to him? Will we, are we big enough to trust him despite the giants before us? For if we hold to Christ, well, then all that Christ has, all of his promises are ours. I think that's amazing. So cling to Christ. Now this week was a reminder that life is not easy. Right? And it wasn't just what happened in the Browns family. We recognize all over the world it is difficult. Uh, this world is broken. It's got a lot of great things because God shows mercy to even to the wicked as well as the righteous. But this world is broken. And oftentimes in the midst of that brokenness, we ask ourselves, God, if you are all powerful and all good and all loving, how can such bad things happen? But I think the bigger question is we need to ask is this. If God is so good and loving and powerful, how on earth could he put up with sinners like you and me long enough to give us grace? But he does. He does. He is so patient and good. He endured the cross for us. He endured 30 years of our mockery so that he could give us everything that he has. There is no measure to his love for you. If you ever wonder if God is good, you have to look no further than the cross. If you ever wonder if God cares about you, you have to look no further than the cross. If you ever wonder if God's big enough to help you overcome your problems, 
You have to know, look no further than an empty grave because he gives us both. So in this life, when things are hard and we don't have the answers, the exhortation of Hebrews, which is for us as much as it was for the Hebrews before, is this. Cling to Jesus. He'll carry us through. As we bring this worship time to a close and I have the the worship band come up, I'd like the rest of you guys to to pull out that connection card because clinging to Jesus is not always easy, but it is always worth it. It is always valuable. Here are some things that we can do. On the back side of it, I have some ideas for us. The first thing we can do is we can memorize Hebrews 3.3. You say, that's an odd verse to memorize. Why does it matter that the house, the build of the house is, is more honored than the house itself? Why is it so important that Jesus is far greater than Moses? Because of this, Jesus set us free from the law. Not so that we could sin, but because we have sinned and he forgave us so that we can be his children. Jesus is far greater than Moses because he doesn't deliver us into a a land on earth. He gives us eternity in heaven. He gives us a hope that is sure. In our life, and we are tempted to turn back to the things of this world to try to control our lives by based on what we think we can do, do damage control, and to walk away from God and to walk away from faith. We're not Hebrews, so most of us don't turn to Moses. But a lot of us turn into our own law, right? We're going to do what's right in our own eyes. We're going to do what we think is best and walk away from the temptation is to, to not trust Jesus and not do what God says. Here's this. Jesus builds houses. He's amazing. And when the temptation comes to think that we can do it on our own or maybe we're better off without him, have this verse tattooed upon your heart to know that Jesus is more than enough. He will carry us through. How about this? How about reading Hebrews 3 through 4 this week? Why? Because context is so important to understanding God's word. I just barely brushed the surface of these texts because I was short on time. But you have all week. So get into the Word and say, this week, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read Hebrews chapters 3 and 4. And that should be 3 through 4, not 4 through 3. That's silly. Don't read it backwards. It'll, you'll get the wrong answer. Or how about this? You can pray. We can always talk to God because we have a promise of Jesus. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And this is what we can do, repent, confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. If you've never come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never come to him as the God who saves you and keeps you and holds you, then why not today? Because as the scripture says, the time is today. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Tomorrow is not guaranteed for any of us. But today we have. Follow Christ today. Or maybe it's the thing to do is to be baptized, to join the church, to stop sitting on the fence and saying, well, I'm afraid to commit. God committed. He's all in for you. He suffered the cross. He he rose again. He's given you his Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. There is no, he's given us the promise, everything in life. He will take care of us and carry us through. God is committed to you. Commit to his ministry. Commit to his love. If there's been something saying, maybe I'm not good enough, or I don't know if I'm going to be able to make the commitment. Join a church. If you haven't baptized, get baptized. But take whatever next step you need to take in your faith for greater faithfulness. Maybe that's the connection that you need to do. Because the time for faithfulness is today.
You're not late. The time for faithfulness is today. Maybe there's another, another commitment you need to make. Maybe there's just a prayer request. Boy, I would sure love to pray for you. I love praying for you. You know what's been amazing this year? Is hearing the answered prayers. God's doing powerful things. Things that just blow our minds. It's just amazing. If you have a prayer request, let us know. Because this powerful, good God, he's just as real today as he ever was before. And he hears us. And he acts. And Jesus is far greater than Moses. He answers our prayers. How great is that? So if you have a prayer request, let us know. We'll be praying for today. And here in a minute, we're going to take our offering, our tithes and our gifts. And as we do that, I encourage you to also place this connection card in that. So the one we can know that you're here and we can pray for this week, but also I can pray for your commitments that you make. Let's do that now. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, to say that you are good is not enough. Because our concept of good includes a lot of grace for ourselves. But you're not just good, you're perfectly good. Lord, you gave us the servant Moses as an example. And what an example he is for us. Oh, that we may have the faithfulness of Moses. That we would have the privilege of seeing you face to face. Lord God, we recognize that you gave us Jesus. We thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that you didn't just allow us to see you face to face, but thanks be to Christ for what he did. We have now been made pure from the inside out, and your Holy Spirit doesn't just rest in a temple somewhere else, but rests inside of us. And we can commune with you every day of our lives. Father, help us as a church, as a congregation, as your children, to embrace you, to hold to Christ no matter what, and to cling to that wonderful hope the same as Moses did, that you are truly our deliverer. Now, Father, take these gifts, these tithes, these offerings, and these commitments, Lord, and use them to bless your church and this community for your glory. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.